This is Gotham TV Podcast, Episode 65, looking at Gotham, Season 2, Episode 13, A Dead Man Feels No Cold. Hey, this is Drew Powell. I play Butch Gilzean on Gotham, and you are listening to Gotham TV Podcast. Welcome back, Gothamites, to this episode of Gotham TV Podcast, where we are looking at A Dead Man Feels No Cold, episode 13 of season 2 of Gotham. Coming straight after Batman v Superman, our look at Zack Snyder's film. Um, yeah, this is another big Batman villain entering into this episode with Mr. Freeze. I am one of your fantastic hosts this uh, podcast, John. And I'm your other host, Derek. Yeah, uh, we had a week off from Gotham last week. And as John mentioned, we did our Batman v Superman coverage. Uh, and yes, to put uh, right one of the things I got wrong in the podcast. Uh, yes, it is Zack Snyder's Batman v Superman. Uh, unfortunately, one of my edits uh, made it through to the final cut. Uh, I constantly, constantly for years now have been getting the fantastic Batman writer Scott Snyder and the now great Batman director Zack Snyder confused and uh, unfortunately it seems to have made it out into the uh, the podcast that's out there for Batman v Superman. Uh, thank you so much to, for Dylan Exner for pointing that out. Uh, really sorry that I got out there, but uh, hopefully you knew what I meant. You knew you knew that I uh, that I do know my di- the difference between the two of them. Uh, I'm fully aware of who Zack Snyder is and what his movies are, but I think my punishment might have to be to watch Sucker Punch. No, that that's not um, that's not warranted at all. But it, it is that Brian Michael Bendis moment all over again for you. And absolutely, you do have a penchant for messing up comic book writers. But this time, it made its way into uh, the film Batman v Superman: Dawn mm-hmm. of Justice, which of course you can find on our feed on gothamtvpodcast.com forward slash iTunes or on any other good or evil podcast catcher such as Player FM, Stitcher, Podcast Addict or Beyond Pod. Just search Gotham TV Podcast, subscribe on those uh, podcast uh, catchers or iTunes and leave a review. It helps other people find the podcast. And of course, we will also be dealing with some feedback or should I say Derek will be. I will have to pop off um, as I am about to whisk my way off to the icy regions of the Arctic, to Helsinki mm. nonetheless, to meet Mr. Freeze in person. <laughs> uh, hopefully it's warmed up since uh, the start of the year. Hopefully, um, yeah. But yeah, please send in um, feedback to feedback at Gotham TV Podcast, of course, and you can join our group on facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Gotham TV podcast. Send in any thoughts, comments, discussion points on anything DC related, but in particular on anything to do with this season, season two of Gotham. Yep. And as you probably know by now, we do live tweet the episode as they're aired in the UK and Ireland uh, on channel five. So just you can follow us over on Twitter at Gotham TV podcast as well. You can catch us over there every Monday night, 10 o'clock in the UK and Ireland. So uh, follow us over there. 
Tiny bit of news before we go ahead. There was a trailer for the new movie Suicide Squad, the second in the uh, in the in the new DC universe uh, of movies. Uh, it was released this week, just after we released our Batman v Superman uh, review. So obviously, just to coincide with that, a nice little uh, nice little after trailer just to follow up our podcast which i thought was quite fun uh fun trailer nice uh, some little references to superman in there mm-hmm. and and some appearances of batman in there now so we've uh got to see a little bit more of him and obviously jared leto's joker a bit bit more of him in there it's going to be really exciting to see that when it comes out in august no absolutely uh great to see um that trailer keep them coming um we'll soon have wonder woman as well coming and of course all the other uh dc films that have been slated well maybe not slated so much but uh <laughs> put on the slate by dc um such as cyborg and the flash and of course Aquaman by mm-hmm. Jason Momoa. That's right. That's right. Uh, I think that's enough of the DC cinematic movies. I think it's time to get into our chilly review of Gotham season two, episode 13. Hence why I said the puntastic podcaster, because this is a very cool, pardon the pun, episode. Mm-hmm. We no doubt will be dropping the puns left, right and center. Some intentionally, some not intentionally. But this was for me a really, really good episode of Gotham. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. I know we'll get into the details of it as we go. Uh, the episode itself was called A Dead Man Feels No Cold. Uh, it was directed by Eagle Eggleston, who we've mentioned many times in the podcast. He's previously directed three other episodes of Gotham, so this is his fourth, another one of the well-known directors for Gotham. And the writer of this episode, we've spoken to him many times on Twitter, although we didn't know it. Uh, it's Seth Boston, who is the writer, writer's assistant for Gotham for the entire season this year. And he runs the Gotham TV writer's Twitter account. Cool. <laughs> We're just going to say that every time something it is. cool well, happens. But it's a word I use all the time. Uh-huh. Cool, I cool, am cool. a glaciologist. That is true. All. That is true. Yes, so Seth Boston is the writer of this episode. Uh, He has been in the writer's room for the full season so far this year and does run the Gotham TV writer's Twitter account. So welcome on board with your first episode, Seth. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis? Sure. Penguin finally meets Hugo Strange's techniques as he is forced into intensive psychological treatment under the supervision of Miss Peabody Mm. to pacify Oswald's aggression. However, Professor Strange is also keen to meet a particular scientist by the name of Victor Fries, in order to learn his cryogenic formulas and techniques. His chance comes as Captain Barnes, Jim Gordon and Harvey Bullock attempt to capture Victor at Arkham Asylum, where they have set a trap involving his terminally ill wife, Nora Fries. As Victor breaks in, he does a deal with Hugo. In exchange for a vial of his cryogenic formula, Strange will allow Victor, now clad in his new armoured suit, to escape Arkham with his wife. He does so, but with Leslie Tompkins as hostage. Elsewhere, Bruce Wayne begins to explore his duplicitous side with those close to him, as a a promising new lead sets him with Selina Kyle on a devious and dangerous trail of Patrick Matches Malone, M. Malone, the man suspected of killing his parents. Meanwhile, the GCPD have tracked Victor back to his home. As they surround the premises, Victor attempts to freeze his wife to set her in stasis until a cure for her disease is found. But he accidentally takes Nora's life after she switches formulas. A distraught Victor freezes himself and is pronounced dead. However, underneath Arkham Asylum at Indian Hill, 
Professor Strange finally meets Mr. Fries and assures him a world of new possibilities as he promises to Victor a new beginning for him and for others. Tons going on and we finally get the proper creation of Mr. Freeze. Yeah, really, really loads going on uh, in this episode um, and a great little um, origin story, I think, from, from this episode. Absolutely, yeah. The way we normally cover episodes is that we talk about our top five points, as you know, if you're if you're joining us uh, as a regular listener. Uh, we cover our top five points, we do a couple of notes, and then we talk about the episode, hopefully through all of those points. But I do want to ask John a question to begin with, because Mr. Freeze is one of your favourite characters, isn't he? He certainly is. Uh, overall, not, not spoiling your points, but overall, what did you think of the creation of the character on Gotham? Well, this is one of my points, um, and... I really liked it. I think um it had the right amount of tenderness, I think, with, with Victor and, and Nora. Mm-hmm. Um, it had a great essential suicide going on, uh, or suicide pact, even though as such, um, Victor didn't know about uh, Nora's intentions to switch the formula to one of the, the poorer uh, vials of, of his formula that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But I I really liked it, and I I thought afterwards then, you know, you think he's dead, and and he turns up with Hugo Strange. And I think it's it's that connection there with Hugo Strange at Indian Hill. I'm absolutely loving B.D. Wong as Hugo Strange here, but also then that interaction with Nathan Darrow, who I'm really enjoying playing Victor Fries as well, Mm -hmm. Uh, that meeting um down in indian hill in the research laboratory i just thought was fantastic actually and it it just the context of what had happened in this episode but also the context of what had happened throughout gotham from season one and and indian hill being central to this um was a really nice touch It, it set it in the world of gotham the tv show it honoured the comic's uh, origin tale of him trying to save his wife and being exposed to his um, freezing formulas um, as well, which is what happened. Uh, and I just love the fact that it, it, it set this whole uh, life after death, this kind of creation-type story for Victor Fry's as Mr. Freeze, ultimately, mm-hmm. uh, with his new suit. You know, we get the adaptions to the suit um, that we have seen earlier, but also for all these other people contained down in Indian Hill. And, of course, we see um, Theo Gallivan there. We see Jerome mm-hmm. down there. We know that Firefly is down there. Yeah. And we have also presumably seen Fish Mooney, or we think we have as well, in one of these episodes. So all of a sudden, the possibilities of what Indian Hill, um, you know, a division of Wayne Enterprises, um, does and and is and how it's connected with with the Waynes is absolutely mind-boggling, juicy, uh, teasing, mm-hmm. intriguing, really good. And actually, I can't think of two better actors that that is... Uh, in the hands of with Nathan Darrow and B.D. Wong mm-hmm. and, and these two scientists at, at the helm of this Frankenstein-esque type um, experimental lab. It is just really, 
lovely. I, I'm really intrigued to see how, how this plays out. And I just loved it. I really like this, this origin of, of, uh, Mr. Freeze and of Victor Fry's and, and the consequences. I thought it was great. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. No, it was really, really enjoyable. I like the, I like the little touch that it's almost like a Romeo and Juliet moment between Victor and his wife. I, I thought that was a really good little moment where she effectively takes the poison and he, also takes the same poison, uh, yet that poison doesn't kill him. He is actually turned into Mr. Freeze because of the work that he's done over the course of the last couple of months trying to save his wife. He's now uh, infected himself effectively to stay alive as some kind of zombie kind of thing, you know? Uh, I love that touch, and I love that it leads into uh, the, the proper creation of Mr. Freeze, the fact that he can't live above zero um he has to have himself in a cooling suit uh to keep himself cold or else he'll die in the normal world and um, that was all played out really really well and i yeah. just didn't expect it no i um, didn't it was really good i thought nathan darrow looked absolutely fantastic with the white hair and the cool. blue eyes uh with with almost the 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 blue fissure going down his neck mm-hmm. um as mr freeze um just bd wong um it just oozes sort of scientific evil really i mean he he just oozes malevolence he he oozes um just cunning planning um and i i'm really enjoying what he's bringing to hugo strange actually definitely Um, i loved as well that you know he really wants to meet victor because of his um scientific abilities i love the fact that we have that lab rat in 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 the the maze of tunnels where hugo strange is opening up all the different um gates and doors for victor freeze whilst also protecting him from the gcpd by closing down some some of the doors and and so on and i I love the that initial exchange through the tannoy that deal that they make you know his um at least at the start here is hugo strange with a real kind of admiration for what uh victor fries has has achieved that he's not been able to uh, and that's why he is helping him as well i think mm-hmm. it's not just pure evil it, it, it is an admiration to help a fellow um sort of scientist even yeah. if it is a crazy scientist um, but he's discovered something that yeah. that strange himself has worked on and he's been able to to fix the problems that uh, that strange has been un- unable to fix so he's totally in admiration of him he to- totally wants this for himself and yeah he is he is going to save him so that he can get that uh, the freeze ray i guess from um from mr freeze really enjoyed it really enjoyed this portrayal of mr freeze there are very various different versions, usually along the same uh, same side in the comic books of the creation of Mister Freeze. In some of them, Nora lives um, and goes into cryogenic freeze, uh, and basically all of the plans that Mister Freeze has for the rest of his time in the comic books are trying to free her from this. There are other versions of the story where she's dead, and there's somebody else that he's uh, he's trying to save with his uh, with his experiments. But I like that they took the central storyline. I really didn't expect the death of. Nora in this. I thought that Victor was going to find out about it effectively, but uh, but I thought it was really well handled. Yeah, well done to Gotham. Absolutely. Um, a really good origin tale of, of Mr. Freeze here, and he's still alive, and I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very but, cool. But Derek, what's your first point? I think both of those, uh, that's kind of my first point as well. It's it's such a big part of the episode, especially as a, as a comic book fan. It's really enjoyable to see that character being created in uh, on the TV show. Uh, so I'll jump on to my next one. Bruce meeting Leslie. 
at uh, at Wayne Manor and getting some psychological evaluation from Leslie. I really enjoyed the scene. I really like how David Mazous plays this again. Uh, he always seems the real grown up around other grown ups when they're asking him questions. He has a very um very competent answer for her. Uh, she's trying to pry under the surface of, of Bruce and trying to get, you know, his plan. If he does find the person that killed his parents, what's he going to do? Uh, he says to her, I'm going to turn her over to the law. She says, are you sure? And he kind of says, that's the answer I'm going to give you. Um, you know, he, there's some really interesting interplay between the characters, the way that Bruce is kind of manipulating the conversation so that he doesn't actually say any lies to Leslie. He tells her that, that he is an honest Bruce. Um, some great stuff in there connecting to Batman as well, where he says, I believe people can be two things at once. Um, to Leslie, where she's trying to say, say to him, well, you said you'd always be honest. Uh, he says back to her, well, that was possibly the other Bruce. You're now talking to the one that's dishonest. Um, some really interesting conversations. And again, a nice little comment from Leslie to Bruce, trying to warn Bruce off from investigating his parents' death by saying, um, you need closure. Not a dangerous and possibly endless obsession. Another bit of foreshadowing to the fact that this will become a very dangerous and pretty much endless obsession for Bruce uh, when he does don the mask and become the Batman. Uh, and then a final moment with Bruce where he just ends the conversation by saying, I don't mean to be flippant. This conversation has been hugely useful. <laughs> Way beyond his years of a 14 year old saying that to a, to a psychiatrist. Uh, it was quite interesting. Uh, we will revisit the conversation in the future, I'm sure. But really enjoyed the scene. I loved this too. I, I thought um, this really is where Bruce takes on the dual mantle of Bruce Wayne and, and a Batman. Okay, he's not called it Batman, but that's how I took this scene was that where he says that was the other Bruce who was talking. And when he then turns to Leslie and says, this has been very clarifying and useful. Maybe we can do it again sometime. Yeah. It, it's that... I think in that moment, he has identified that he needs to have a dual personality. Not that he's schizophrenic or bipolar, but this this idea that he has to maintain two lives. Yeah. One as Bruce Wayne, the, the orphaned uh, child from the murder of his parents, who's inherited his father's wealth and is the billionaire Bruce Wayne, playboy Bruce Wayne, and then a secretive side to that persona, which is at the, this moment in time, the fact that he really wants to kill um, M. Malone. Yeah. Uh, Patrick matches Malone. He really wants to uh, kill him. Um, he says he doesn't to Alfred and he's, he's really learning this dual personality. Uh, and to, to have that personality not only in front of strangers, but also in front of Alfred at this moment in time. I wonder whether Alfred really does have some kind of inkling as to this this new development in Bruce's personality. But at the moment, he is essentially being more honest with Selina than he is with Alfred. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's a little shift that's happened in this season so far. Um at, but at the start of this season, it was very much that Alfred and Bruce were going to work together to really, really, like, find this guy. And it seems as though, and I'm going to have to just use one of my other points here, mm -hmm. that Silver St. Cloud has had a lasting impression on Bruce Wayne. And that is one of my points here, right. um, is that this seems to me to be a very... Silver St. Cloud grounded type of response that 
um, he is giving to, to Alfred in this episode. No, I, okay, I won't kill him. You do the killing, but actually he's got other plans going on now. Um, with Selena. He's mm. being honest to Selena. He's, he's, he's holding a duplicity, um, for, other people and at the moment it also includes alfred i'm sure alfred might get wise to it or is wise to it but nonetheless he has this at this moment in time yeah yeah no that's a really interesting point yeah i like that uh that's that's fascinating really uh, like i know obviously the fact that that alfred is the one that brought in leslie to almost evaluate bruce after getting back from uh from switzerland i presume that's partly alfred kind of going i don't believe you when you say you're okay uh, to me constantly. Um, but yeah, that's really interesting that he has, he is pulling away a lot from Alfred. I did think that the pact he was making with Alfred was just them getting back on the side of each other again and joining back up again, saying, um, you know, this is what we'll do. We'll find them together and then Alfred will kill him so that it's not on your conscience kind of thing. Um, but yeah, that's a really good point that he may have, may have learned that from Silver. Yeah, it seems as though there is a wobble between Bruce and Alfred and that, and Alfred has kind of spotted this for a while, probably whilst he's been in Geneva, um, at the, sh- at the, um, skiing lodge just outside of Geneva. So that, um, you know, he's asked Leslie to come in and do this. I mean, I love the idea from, from Bruce that he says he felt alive, um, yeah. from his kidnap at the hands of Galavan that, you know, he felt reinvigorated at the second chance at life. I mean, maybe this is again another little hint to the backstory of the Batman that it is a bit of a adrenaline rush that he gets in doing this stuff. It's not just a, I've got to do this because of my parents' legacy and what happened, but actually there is an element of him enjoying what he does yeah and um, like that's a really interesting question to deal with sometimes batman can be seen as this um this vigilante who is doing it for such dark slightly vengeful slightly honorably vengeful mm. reasons um but that always sustains him and maybe there's something else here that it's not just justice but it is also Maybe a slight bit of enjoyment. I like that idea. I like the fact that, um, it, I like the fact that Bruce Wayne here really took me off guard by saying I felt alive at being kidnapped, being put in harm's way and coming out of it at the other end, reinvigorated, being alive. Yeah. Like that is not probably what a psychologist wants to hear or probably <laughs> what Alfred wants to read. When he looks at her report, right. like yeah, this yeah. is a really interesting development. Whether that's the case, I don't know, but that's kind of partly what I took from it. And I, I kind of enjoyed that element of it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. No, really enjoyable. Uh, speaking of wobbles, um, I think my next point is going to be about poor little Penguin. Our poor little Oswald uh, over in Arkham Asylum is finally getting the treatment from um, from Professor Strange. I really do have to resist every time calling him Doctor Strange. I really do. Uh, I know they've worked very, very hard with making making sure he's Professor Strange and even Director Strange in this episode. Um, but no, it's Professor Strange's treatment of poor little Penguin. Um, seems to be getting the uh, getting the Clockwork Orange treatment here. Uh, where he's getting some visor on his eyes, um, stuff being played into him, uh, and turning him into, uh, into a docile kind of character, um, where he's not going to kill somebody around him. Um, 
very interesting. Poor little, poor little Oswald. Yeah, I thought we were actually going to get a honk honk back here after he was being told uh, following his special treatment. This kind of links in with one of my points as well. You know, Oswald gets the special treatment from Hugo Strange. He kind of thought his reputation would precede him and maybe that he would get treated um, slightly differently from all the other inmates, um, you know, have maybe special privileges or something like that. And of course he is. He's just getting a special treatment. Um, mm-hmm. and, and not the kind of one that you want at a spa break, uh, weekend away in the countryside. I mean, this is full on malicious, uh, psychological, electrical warfare going on. Basically. Um, you know, psychedelic, psychotropic drugs going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, to the point that actually after that treatment, he's kind of fairly subdued. He really is. Yeah. He forgets. Um, his name almost. Yeah, he certainly has to think about it and says, says as the other inmate is playing duck, duck, goose with him, touching on people's backs and saying duck, and then eventually gets to, gets to Penguin and says goose to him. Uh, as you say, I was expecting the Hong Kong there, but we get a, no, I'm the penguin. I'm not a goose. Uh, <laughs> good fun. Uh, little call out there back I, to season one. Exactly. And I, I like the look of Jim and Harvey as they see him going around going duck. Duck, mm-hmm. duck, duck uh, on all the other inmates' heads. And, and, you know, you kind of just wonder, it's like, are they happy about that? I mean, certainly Jim, and I think it's really good later on that you do get the sense as Jim and Harvey walk away from that scene um, as they're setting up the trap for, for Victor that Hugo does have some inkling that there's a connection between Penguin and Oswald and Jim. And then you see that later on in the video footage where he's purposefully watching them out in the yard Mm -hmm. with the Penguin walking past. I mean, part of me was there going, did Hugo send him out into the courtyard being taken by two of the, the, the inmate guards, the medical guards? Yeah. Um, because you do get this real cry for help from, from Oswald. Um, and Jim's response is actually really cold hearted. There you go. There's one. Um, <laughs> where, you know, he goes, you're insane, Penguin. Uh, that's what your lawyer says, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe Jim is seizing this opportunity in a really selfish way to, to kind of put his secret relationship with Penguin, you know, in the deep freeze uh, because, you know, he's really potentially sees an opportunity where Penguin will be shut up for good because he will just be considered as insane. And, and he is also being turned insane, um, I think, to some extent by Hugo Strange. However, I'm really interested to see now, Hugo has this information. Mm-hmm. What will he do with it? And that is really intriguing setup for uh, future developments. Yeah, yeah. The fact that he knows now that Jim is the killer, or at least that's what Oswald is saying, that he that Jim is the one that killed Galavan. Yeah, great moment in the episode. I took the conversation between Jim and Oswald slightly differently. I took it as Jim being the lawman. It's one of the things that I would say annoys um, officers of the law quite a lot, which is where a a known criminal who's murdered hundreds of people suddenly pleads that they're they're insane and gets sent off to an asylum rather than going to prison because it's an easier sentence, apparently. I think Jim is kind of relishing in the fact that it's not an easy sentence for Oswald, um, that Oswald is not having the time of his life in this particular prison, because uh, if he'd gone off to 
the max maximum security prison, he certainly wouldn't have had a great time over there either. Um, but I think that what Jim's kind of saying to him is, well, it was your choice. You're, you told your lawyer to, to plead insanity then. You know, you got here and you're getting horrible treatment over here. Oh, boo-hoo. Uh, you are a murderer after all. You know, I think that's kind of the way that Jim's saying it to him. Uh, but a really great moment between the two of them. I like that that Oswald, despite the fact that he's hardly able to remember his his own name, he still remembers Jim, sees him and goes, old friend, uh, old friend, come over, you've got to help me out kind of thing. I thought that was a nice little touch of the show to be able to show that relationship between the two of them and the show that Jim's trying to cut the ties completely between himself and Oswald. But I wondered whether the treatment had worn off at that stage. Yeah. And that's why I was thinking, Hugo Strange, by looking at the CCTV footage, maybe realised that there is more here than meets the eye. Certainly. Uh, and he's certainly got his suspicions, and, and maybe he will prod, poke, and electrocute uh, Oswald a bit further to really get down to to that that truth you know he yeah. he will drill into that ice cold heart and um, <laughs> to really try and find out um what is going on i also wondered whether as well this is an evolution of the origin of the penguin where maybe you know penguin ultimately yes he's a raging psychopath he does like his knives he likes his sandwiches but here we have him being treated in a way that potentially sets him um down a different path because of the fact that he is essentially being turned slightly crazy and i'm wondering does he fully or will he ever recover from this will this mean that he just becomes an out and out psychopath Mm -hmm. from here on in i know it's borderline whether he's that already but in his dealings with jim in his dealings with uh, butch generally apart from the hand being chopped off (laughs) He is also a businessman. He does have an element of Maroni and Falcone uh, about him mm-hmm. in that he even saw that Galavan and all these cr- this craziness going on in the city affected his business. He was still a businessman, I yeah. think, to an extent. Um, you know, brutal, violent, and, and all the rest of it. But I wonder here whether we get that um, maybe twitchy psycho side uh, from him mm-hmm. now that he's been experimented on by Hugo Strange. That's kind of another thing I, I took from this. That's what I mean. This episode potentially has a few tweaks in, in the development of Penguin as a character, um, given what we see of his treatment at the hands of Miss Peabody and Hugo Strange. Very true. Very true. Wasn't Miss Peabody fantastic? Really enjoy that character as well. Uh, John, do you want to give us your next point? On that note, Absolutely. My uh, next point is the dynamic between Hugo Strange and Miss Peabody. Mm. I absolutely love it. Um, down from asking her to collect the vial that Victor Fries, um, or Victor Fries, I should say, uh, leaves for, for Hugo Strange in exchange for escaping from Arkham and the car keys. She is willing to do that. She obviously heads up his programs. Um, she is enjoying the treatment of Oswald. You know, she is being threatened absolutely. by him. Absolutely 100%. You know, you don't want to vex me, he says. Um, you know, think about your actions carefully, your next actions carefully. Uh, you know, in a sense, they may be your last. And we have her, um, kind of almost with a bit of a, a smile and a laugh, put the 
the mouthpiece into his mouth and then put on the electrical uh, headset and mm-hmm. the psychedelic headset, whatever is going on underneath that hood. It's PlayStation uh, VR, John. It probably it's is, reality. yeah. <laughs> it's Oculus Rift. Exactly. And... Um, it's just evil Oculus Rift. It's actually the dangers of Oculus Rift. That must be it. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's kind of like Blade Runner and all those future dystopian uh, films mm-hmm. were virtual reality. Like, Penguin is going to be so disorientated. And I love the fact that Miss Peabody, she is kind of enjoying it a oh, lot. Oh, certainly. She's like, hackling like a supervillain. And, and I love their little dynamic together. It's kind mm. of like they're firm friends Firm psycho friends working together for the good of themselves. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now, really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed the character. Uh, great fun to see that kind of interplay between the characters. Definitely getting very much closer to, to comic book versions or comic book characters this season, uh, which I'm really enjoying. Definitely. Derek, what's your next point? Just kind of a follow-up point to one of the points that we made earlier on in the season. I think we may be seeing the end of Leslie and Jim's relationship Despite the fact that Leslie is pregnant with uh, with Jim's baby, there just seems to be a big breakdown in their relationship in this episode. Um, right from the start, right from the get-go, when Barnes makes the plan to bring Nora Fries to uh, Arkham Asylum, the reaction of Leslie is just going, God, Jim, you're doing it again. You're running into danger. You're bringing other people into dangerous situations. Uh, why are you bringing them to Gotham? I can take care of them here in GCPD, you know? Um, then he starts, Jim starts to say to her, you know, don't put yourself in the line of danger. It's my child. Uh, Leslie's reaction to that again, really, really bad thing to say to Leslie. Don't get on her bad side. She really is, uh, not taking it from Jim at all. And yet to the final moments of the episode where, um, where she questions Jim again and he walks out on her. Um, this could really be the end of their relationship. It does seem like she is realizing now that Jim is not playing by the rules of a cop. She's realized that he is the one that murdered Galavan in some way or had definitely got more of a hand in it than he's telling her. And he is constantly lying to her, um, which is the things that she can't take. Uh, what we also see in this episode is the great interplay between her and Nora Freeze, where which absolutely kind of, yeah. yeah, which kind of lead Leslie to the realization that she is also falling for uh, a person that she can't trust, that she can't. Um, I suppose that she is seeing a lot of what Jim Gordon is in what Victor Freeze is, and a lot of what she is in what Nora's done for Victor and in letting him away with as much as he has. Um, what he believes he's doing is right and being supported by a good woman. Um, so what she's doing for Jim is the same thing, which is really speaks back to some of the stuff we talked about earlier on in the season. Absolutely. I loved the fact that, in a sense, Jim showed his hand mm-hmm. and he walked out on her when she confronted him. I loved the fact that she challenged him and yeah. I love that it came from Nora. It is this idea that, that there are two guys that are doing stuff for um, the correct reasons, but the means at which they're going about it ultimately are flawed. Victor Freeze is like freezing people. He's killing people. Killing them. Um, and he's experimenting on them. Jim is also killing people. People who he should be bringing in front of a judge. Mm-hmm. Um, irrespective of the fact that he may have been acquitted. Um, you know, he is a lawman. He should accept that. Otherwise, he does become a uh, vigilante himself mm-hmm. and I love the fact that as you say uh, Nora 
brings in the parallels between her and Leslie Tompkins. And t- Leslie Tompkins accepts that and sees that because it is so obvious. And she has been willing to let it slide. I mean, she goes, you close your eyes to the truth because you love them. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says to Nora after Nora has said to her, I could have saved him. Uh, I saw him going down this path that I couldn't stop him from. And this is the same thing that's happening to Jim. And I think I said it in one of the previous episodes. I really want to see a consequence in Jim's actions being played out both in terms of his private life and his professional life. And at the moment, it's focused on um, Leslie. And this is absolutely what should have happened. And it's fantastic. Yeah. I'm so glad that they have tackled that. It mm-hmm. is exactly what should have happened because, um, you know, Jim has been a douchebag. And she's realized that. Yeah. She's confronted him and his actions have got consequences and they're coming back to haunt him. Um, the fact that he walks out, I can't wait to see what the next step of this is going to be. It's been, it was really well played between, um, Marina Baccarin and, um, Ben McKenzie, I really enjoyed their portrayals of, of this, you know, um, and maybe he walked out because he realized that what she was saying was spot on, mm-hmm. was correct. Certainly. And for me, yeah, this was again, one of my other points, um, which you keep stealing, um, which <laughs> is it completes the circle of what should be happening to Jim's character on the basis of the choices that he made in the first part of the season. Yeah. And that is really good. And he's still got choices to make. And I love the fact that it is playing out and it has consequences. So Certainly. absolutely high five. Um, it's really cool that um, they are, are doing this. Certainly, certainly. I do like that Leslie calls out the fact that Jim is trying to use her being pregnant against her as if she can't do anything now that she's pregnant, you know. Yet he is putting himself into danger, you know. Really good scenes, really enjoyable. And again, Nora being the... Juliet of the Romeo and Juliet relationship I thought was really good where she's kind of gone look I can't have him do this anymore I'm going to sacrifice myself so that he will be safe and will not continue in this vein he will we'll stop killing people if he doesn't have me to justify his killing effectively uh, and unfortunately it turns out uh, a lot worse probably than uh, than she thought when Victor gets to meet up with Professor Strange one thing I was going to ask you was, what did you mm-hmm. think of the standoff at Arkham between Jim, Victor, and Leslie? Um, like, I thought that was kind of interesting. I mean, I thought, firstly, lucky Jim, that he wasn't frozen Absolutely. to death. Absolutely. I thought that was maybe, if anything, the, the slight point where I was kind of, you know, he's been freezing guards left, right, and center here, mm-hmm. but he doesn't do it to Jim. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just locks him in and says something that well i don't want to kill you why doesn't he do that to all of them yeah no i think the really important thing is here is that nora's alive and nora's in the room um he hasn't actually done it in front of her uh he hasn't put anybody to to the freeze ray i suppose uh in front of nora he's trying to prove to her that he is the one that's going to take care of her he said that he wants to take leslie with him to take care of nora and He's effectively already said that he's not going to hurt anybody that doesn't cause him trouble, is what he's saying. Uh, what you see with the, with the cops earlier on, I think, uh, three of the cops have shot 
their weapons. They've shot bullets at him. Yeah, they've all tried to kill him or stop him in some way, absolutely. Yeah, so I wonder if that's the reason. I think that that's the way it came across to me, that the reason why he didn't do it. Um, Also, what I did like was, and I don't know whether it was on purpose, but I liked that all the time um, Leslie is standing behind Nora, so he's blocking the pregnant belly effectively so that wasn't that that wasn't part of the reason why he chose not to take not to take her out or freeze her that wasn't it wasn't brought into the conversation at all that she was pregnant which i thought was quite good because you do tend to find that oh don't hurt my wife she's pregnant uh, don't hurt my fiance she's pregnant it wasn't brought into the conversation after that original point when uh, Marina Bakaran and uh, Ben McKenzie are having the discussion earlier on in the episode they don't bring it in as the reason for her not to be um not to be attacked by Victor. Um, so I just thought it was a nice little touch. And I think it might have been on purpose that, that it wasn't brought in there. Yeah, no, that, that that's cool. I mean, as I say, I, I thought it was more to do with the fact that Nora was there, as mm-hmm. you say. Um, but I still thought, mm, lucky Jim. And, you know, I did oh, yeah. kind of start to think about around whether, well, should he have just fired off a freeze ray? Um, which is really difficult to say. Is, I, I almost is. said, a f- did he fry off a freeze ray? Uh-huh. Too many fries and freezes and <laughs> fried and fired and, and so on. But like, I loved how he used his weapon to disarm Jim, actually. Yeah, I thought that was, that was cool. really good. Yeah, yeah that was very yeah. cool. I'm going to say cool the whole episode. Uh, John, take me away from the coolness. What's your final point? Well, I mean, I was frozen to the spot with absolute awe at the opening of mm-hmm. this episode. I thought this was like bang on the money. This was almost like, I'm not going to say film quality, but it was just, I loved it. I thought you have Ace Chemicals. So you have real first big instance of Ace Chemicals here, and um, a division of Wayne Enterprises, which I'm not entirely sure whether it always has been or not, but I like this idea that they're bringing um, Ace Chemicals into the evil empire that is Wayne Enterprises. Absolutely. Even though, I mean, little does Brucey know that um, he is getting um, his money from, quite frankly, some fairly dubious quarters. Certainly. Uh, Ace Chemicals, Indian Hill, uh, you name it, weapons manufacture. His money is dark and tainted. But, I mean, I love that. And then just the move of the GCPD through the Ace Chemicals plant um was just so very 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 cool um i loved it i mean the uh, the frozen guards um the the bullet frozen uh coming out of the gun of, of one of the police officers um and you know the just the destruction a really good effect i've absolutely loved how they've done the freezing effect oh, it's been great yeah it's rad yeah absolutely um i loved it i've absolutely really enjoyed this opening it really set up this episode certainly in a really good way and i mean it just didn't disappoint for me yeah i must say that scene that the scene as they arrive and jim's giving the orders out to the guards even just that scene with the camera looking up at him standing in front of ace chemicals it was really cinematic Uh, and yeah really exciting to see ace chemicals represented on here we saw it in batman v superman so ace chemicals is Definitely part of the Gotham world now again. Um, we haven't seen it in the city of Gotham before, but really, really exciting to see it in uh, in this episode. Yeah, very cool. So, Derek, 
What's your final cool point? <laughs> My final point is just the relationship between Selena and Bruce. Really enjoy that Selena's still, yeah. still so protective of Bruce, even after all the things they've gone through. Um, she, I like that she's still uh, not criticizing him. She's still trying to help him out, still trying to keep him pure, um, regardless of the fact that he's trying to get her to get him a gun and that he's the one that's going to kill Matches Malone. Um, she's still trying to protect him. She's still trying to keep him out of her world. She tells him that when Reggie was, when Reggie was standing over the window, the guy that had attacked Alfred, uh, his favorite carer effectively, um, his second father, uh, he, he couldn't kill Reggie then. How the heck can he pull a gun on this guy, Matches Malone and take him out, uh, even though he killed his parents. Um, I thought that was really interesting that she's still the person blocking and protecting Bruce here. Um, I don't think he could, he could go through with it if, if given the option, uh, when he does find matches, um, I don't think he's going to be able to pull that trigger if he does get the opportunity. Yeah, it's difficult to know. I mean, I certainly thought that it was a real steely determination of Bruce Wayne here. Um, even just the fact that he's kind of going against his word um, that he's given yeah, to, yeah. to Alfred. Um, but yeah, no, this is a really nice relationship. Um, the, the the trials of it, that the trial that the relationship went through um, with Silver St. Cloud being in the picture, I just think has really opened up, uh, Bruce and Selena's, uh, relationship mm-hmm. in a really good way for the show. And this was just another example of it where, you know, she's looking out for him, but she's also in the end complicit in helping him. And the fact that she is the, the one person who he is absolutely open to. Yeah. Um, about what, he is what he's doing what he wants to do okay and i mean this that th- that makes sense moving into when they're adults she understands that he's batman essentially mm-hmm. and, and that she is catwoman yeah. so uh, and that dynamic so uh, this makes sense to me um it's really good definitely yeah yeah i really enjoyed it uh, that's my final point and you've had your final point um, I have a few notes about the episode, just some basic notes. Uh, Matches Malone is my first one, uh, who is a character from the comic books. He is a killer for hire. Um, I think Natalie mentioned that to us one of uh, in our feedback a couple of weeks ago, that uh, Matches Malone, the character, uh, is a, a killer for hire, so very possibly could have been hired by Galavan potentially to kill uh, to kill Bruce Wayne's parents. Uh, really intrigued to see the investigation into Matches Malone in the future. Absolutely. I have one note as well, which is the new outfit for um, Victor Fry's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I wrote down in my notes he's gone all hockey uh, in <laughs> relation to um, Christian Bale's uh, response to all the Batman lookalikes in uh, The Dark Knight, where he goes, the difference is, I'm not wearing hockey pants. Uh, so <laughs> he kind of looked slightly like... Uh, He'd gone all hockey. And that is definitely a callback to our fifth episode, because John still thinks it's hockey pants after our discussion the whole time. It's hockey pads, hockey pads, protectors okay. when you, that you use while playing hockey. Well, still, yeah, but still, he he kind of had the shoulder pads now, yeah, did Victor Fry's, with his new suit, which ultimately now has been retrofitted um, by Hugo to allow him to move out of his deep freeze. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it really felt like a spacesuit to me. I thought it was thought it was really interesting. John, I've got a nomination for the Bullockism of the Week. Uh-huh. Uh, Harvey, 
it makes sense. It's a lunatic asylum filled with crazy people. The perfect place to store, <laughs> to store Nora Freeze. Uh, really enjoyed that. Um, and the later one when, uh, when he's sitting outside Arkham Asylum once again and says, another stakeout of the loony bin. Fabulous. <laughs> Just really enjoyed again our Harvey Bullock in this episode. Yeah. I mean, and then I have another note, which is I kind of liked Leslie's response, um, to Captain Barnes's plan, his incensed plan after Victor Freeze was asking for, you know, for the GCPD to free his wife and um, where she goes, you're using a dying woman as bait, a tethered goat to capture fries at Arkham, you know, and then, yeah, you, you get the whole sort of bullock, uh, rant about crazies, lunatics, nutters, mm-hmm. you know, any kind of mention of a crazy, any, he brings it out really good. I was wondering if the tethered goat was a comment about B.D. Wong's character in Jurassic Park, one of the big scenes at the opening of that, where there's a tethered goat attacked by Tyrannosaurus Rex. Rex. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I was wondering if that's what that was referenced to. Very cool. Uh, finally, my final point is our appearance of poor Barbara Keane, <laughs> who is asleep in the infirmary where Leslie arrives. Uh, thought it was hilarious that Leslie would pick her up by the cheeks shake her and go you don't know what you're missing bitch and then has to tend to another patient who's also woken up i was wondering if nora had woken maybe a couple of seconds earlier and realized that her carer was attacking someone that's that she doesn't know and who's in a coma in the next bed over would that make leslie look really crazy as a doctor or not yeah well from the hippocratic oath to the the screw you bitch oath um <laughs> was <laughs> a nice range for a doctor absolutely absolutely overall john what's your thoughts on the episode i would give this 4.5 frozen fries out of uh, five <laughs> i absolutely um could eat these fries all the time like i really like this episode i thought it was one of the best origin stories in a given episode i think it expanded potentially on Oswald's origins being more psychotic and less uh, rational and reasonable uh, based on his treatment by Hugo Strange. Mm -hmm. Um, I like the fact that Jim and um, Leslie have got serious, serious issues on the basis of Jim's continued route down this path, which is exposed to to Leslie through Nora and her similar uh, path that's been that's been taken by her loved one in Victor Fry's uh, BD Wong and Nathan Darrow I am absolutely loving um I think their relationship um to come just the little snippet of it at the end is just like it's like a big juicy steak it, it really wants you to sort of nosh away at it um, and eat it all up and gobble it up for the rest of season two i'm really looking forward to seeing how these two work uh together and and what they bring to this whole storyline i love the fact that you get the origin of mr freeze here um in in a really uh good way not only in terms of it looking to the comics and the origin of, of Mr. Freeze from the comics, but also I think to Gotham and, and its previous dealings with, you know, Firefly, uh, Fish Mooney, Galavan and Jerome 
aka maybe the Joker. Mm-hmm. You know, all these different elements I think are were really really good. And then again, Miss Peabody and and Hugo Strange together are just so good. I just really liked it. I, it's they're really enjoying their work, and their work is crazy mad scientists. <laughs> um, and I I just love it. I thought As this a was a really yourself, yeah. yeah. I thought this was a really strong episode that felt right for Gotham, right for the characters. Um, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Cool. A pretty high score there, really. Yeah, it really is. I, in fact, yeah. I would say it's one of my best episodes for this season, actually. Yeah. And I, again, Mr. Freeze at the end looked superb. Loved it. Yeah, it was very, very good. Very good. Uh, for me, absolutely loved the episode. Really, really enjoyable. Leads to some great stuff in the future. It was a great capper on last week's episode. Uh, this was only a two-parter with Mr. Freeze, uh, but it felt like it accomplished a lot more than the Scarecrow episode did last season. For the Scarecrow episode, all I felt at the end of it was, I, I wish the father didn't die, and I wish we had him in it for a bit longer. Um, this time, well, they kept up that. Victor Freeze isn't dead by the end of this episode, and they've set up something big to happen in future. Uh, everything that's going on in Indian Hill is fascinating. Really interested to see what happens with Galavan, if he's going to be coming back, what's going to happen with Jerome, who we think we saw right behind him in one of the other chambers. Uh, yeah, really exciting stuff that it's setting up this season. And absolutely agree with you, B.D. Wong and Nathan Darrow were fantastic in this episode. Really, really enjoyed them overall. That's it for episode 13 of Gotham. Uh, we'll be back next week with episode 14. I know we have to run off, John, but before you go, just a little bit of feedback that we got in after our Batman v Superman uh, podcast. Uh, Chris B says, great Wonder Woman stories are The Circle or anything from Gail Simone and anything from her recent Azarello run. Thank you so much, Chris B, for, for those comic um, recommendations. I definitely uh, will look to try and pick them up in the near future to read. Excellent. Thanks very much once again, John, for being here this week. I'm going to crack on with the with the feedback. Yeah, so I just want to say thank you so much, everyone, for listening. It's been really good to to podcast again on this really good episode of Gotham, and I will speak to you again next week. Thanks, John. Bye. So just me for the rest of the feedback. Uh, first bits of feedback come from Twitter, as usual, our Twitter reactions. Uh, first off, Matt Ratley says, The producers and creators of Gotham made the right choice by getting the amazing B.D. Wong to play Hugo Strange. From the Batcave says, B.D. Wong plays Hugo Strange so well, he and Tanya Pinkins make a great team. Thanks very much for that feedback. Yeah, yeah B.D. Wong is excellent in the show, and Tanya Pinkins as... Miss Peabody, as John mentioned on the episode, uh, really, really good, really enjoying their performances on the show. Uh, Media Shock UK says, as a true fan, that Mr. Freeze intro was effing perfect. It read like a graphic novel. And that end scene with Hugo, I thought they would drag it out a few episodes. Nope. Full force script writing. Awesome. Great stuff. Yeah, Media Shock, I totally agree with you. Um, as we mentioned, the Mr. Freeze developments in this episode and how he was created are really, really good. Uh, really did feel like something from the comic books. Uh, excellent stuff. Don Christofferson also says, I adore Nathan Darrow to no end, and he and Kristen Hagar may have amazing chemistry. So good. Yeah, totally agree. Didn't really speak much about Kristen Hagar in this episode. She's really, really good as Nora Freeze. Uh, really liked her storyline, and you could see she was acting out of love all the time for her husband, Victor. Um, really, really liked that whole dynamic between the two of them. Really excellent cast, I must say, this episode. So that was all the feedback through Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter, obviously, at Gotham TV Podcast. As we mentioned, we do live tweet the episodes every Monday night as they air in the UK on Channel 5 at 10pm. You'll see us there definitely tweeting along with the episode. 
Our final piece of feedback came in through our email address, which is obviously feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com. And make sure you send in your thoughts on the episodes each week as they air, just like Natalie did. Um, I just want to pull out a couple of points from Natalie's email this week. Uh, Natalie says, we got some great meditations about the show's overarching theme. Jim's calls using Nora as bait in Arkham the least bad of several bad options. And Nora says that Victor feels that a good cause outweighs the bad done in service of that cause. Absolutely, that is totally how Gotham is starting to spiral out of control. A lot of people making bad decisions out of even worse choices available to them. Natalie also mentions Bruce is also developing a hyper-awareness that will serve him well as the bat. Even a stealthy cat could not sneak up on him as he felt the breeze from her usual window entry. (laughs) That's really good points, yeah. Definitely becoming more and more like the bat, really enjoying that. And finally, Natalie says, major kudos to the effects team for Mr. Free's effects this week and last. Even though I doubt a gunshot can be flash frozen in mid-flight, it's a seamless blend of CGI, practical effects and makeup. Totally agree. Great job done on the creation of Victor Freeze and his weapon. Uh, really scary. Really, really good. So thanks very much for your feedback, Natalie, and everybody else that contributed their feedback. Again, you can email us at feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com. You can go to our Facebook group just by searching facebook.com slash groups slash Gotham TV podcast. We'll speak to you again next week for episode 14 of Gotham. Looking forward to it. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks for being a Butch supporter. Butch loves you, baby. This has been a Flickering Myth Podcast Network production. For more information, head over to flickeringmyth.com for more shows like it. Find this show in iTunes by searching for the podcast name and head over to youtube.com forward slash flickeringmyth to subscribe to the Flickering Myth movie show. We'll see you on the next podcast. Take care. Bye-bye.